Welcome to the Death and Taxes Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to life's two certainties, death and taxes. My name is Brandon Ayers. I'm an elder law, estate planning, and multi-generational tax planning attorney serving clients all throughout Chicagoland. And because of that, I have to let you know that this podcast is not meant to be specific advice. This is for general informational purposes only. And if you have specific questions, you can always email me at deathandtaxespod at gmail.com, or you can ask your own attorney or advisor. Also, I want to ask you to give me a five-star review. It'll help other people find this podcast. We have a growing audience. Uh, last week was our highest uh, amount of listens ever, so I'm really excited about that. I want to help people find that podcast. So a five-star review would be a great way to go about that. Today, you're hearing this episode drop on a Thursday, which is odd. Usually, I drop episodes on Tuesday, and what we're going to do here is start of a new little venture. I have a, a good friend of mine, Eric Mesco, here with us. Uh, he is a financial advisor, and uh, he and I just want to kind of sit down weekly here and chat about what we've seen when it comes to our world. Because our world, if you think about estate planning and financial planning, is like a Venn diagram that overlaps really a lot. Uh, and so we, we often will be talking about what are we seeing in clients? You know, what are concerns today versus last week? Uh, and, and we want to kind of just share that with you. So Eric, like I said, he's a financial advisor. He's a good friend of mine because something you may not know is that estate planning attorneys and financial advisors don't always get along. It takes a real kind of special understanding, a same worldview. Otherwise, you step on your toes a lot. It's kind of like an awkward first dance. Uh, financial advisors have their opinions about estate planning. Estate planners have their opinion about uh, retirement planning. And uh, unless you see and you can walk side by side, it's really hard to really get along. But Eric and I, Kind of share the value that if you do the right thing for people, you don't really have to concern yourself necessarily with your profit margin or your financial gain. You just do the right thing. People come back to you and you'll be fine in the long run. And that's something I really appreciate, something I think is kind of rare with uh, financial advisors uh, and probably rare with attorneys too, if I don't want to uh, give attorneys too much benefit of the doubt either. Eric's here and we just want to kind of talk about what we're seeing. So I know, Eric, we were just talking before we started this about having clients really concerned about losing stuff in retirement, not having enough money because something happens. And, and when we talk about that, it's usually around you know long-term care. Uh, sometimes um, their lifestyle or their spending can deplete their assets quicker than you might think. But, but why don't you just introduce yourself or, or this is your debut here. Talk about a little bit about what you think uh, when you see clients who have concerns about losing money because of a dementia or mobility issue or, or just something else as they get into their retirement years. Well, thank you, Brandon. Thanks for having me today. I always enjoy talking to you and, you know, it's nice to, for me, I don't do podcasts like this, so it's nice to to be on with somebody that kind of shares the same feelings that I do and and really have the same approach with clients. And that's, I think that's why it really makes it easy for us to work together, by the way. But uh, what you're saying, so uh, one of the things that a lot of my clients worry about is that long-term care, if they need that, they have to pay for it. And if we didn't put that in place, if I didn't meet them to get that done for them, uh, then they're going to have to pay for it out of their nest egg, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, people work hard their whole lives. They save, uh, they do their best. And then to have something like an illness come in and wipe out your nest egg and leave you with nothing and leave your heirs with nothing, uh, that's a big concern for my clients. And, and that's something that we talk about all the time. And that's why, uh, and that's why I try to get them, you know, to talk to you about how we can legally protect them uh, when an event like that occurs. 
Yeah, and I think I think that's a big issue because the thing that that frustrates me with talking about long term care planning is some people don't understand you don't ever sign up for the diagnosis of Alzheimer's, right? Nobody's nobody's ever volunteering for this stuff. Nobody's really, even though you're aware of it, nobody's really internalizing that it actually could happen to them. It's always going to be something that happens to their neighbor or the couple that they know and have dinner parties with. And then when it actually confronts them, it's a really even with a plan in place, it's a shocking thing. You know, they get really emotional. They get a lot of questions about, are we going to be okay? Am I losing the house after I take care of my husband? Am I going to have to move in with the kids? You know, those kind of questions really, I think, prove the value of a sound financial plan, a sound estate plan uh, for people. And I, I, I really take pride in, you know, seeing the, the transformation they can have after a conversation with us, knowing that, okay, well, obviously... The sun's not shining and everything. We have this diagnosis that we could deal with, but at least we know that we can stay in our house and that after my husband passes away, I'm not going to have to ask which kid wants to live with me. Um, I, I can live independently. Uh, I can have enough money for me and then maybe have something for the kids as well. I think, I think it's a really kind of powerful area of the estate planning practice and the financial planning practice. I guess maybe the way to phrase a question would be, you know, if, if somebody were I don't know, 55 and coming to see you and they were just, you know, shaking about the concern about long-term care, you know, what would you, what would you tell them to, to help them or, or position them uh, so that they could, they could just know they have a plan. If it comes on their doorstep, they have something in place to take care of it. You know, forget about the estate planning side because there's plenty of other things you can do to, to make the most of their money and if they spend it on nice things or on long-term care, you know, whatever it is, it's kind of the same. So what would you tell that kind of person if they if they came to you? The typical person that I work with, they come to me because they're really worried about having enough money to uh, retire and do the things they want to do during retirement, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the typical person that comes to me and and they they want advice on on how to manage their money because that's not what they do. That's what we do, but we also do financial planning, okay? And when we do the financial planning, these are the questions that come about that they haven't even thought of. So most of the time, it's during these conversations that these concerns start to brew up for them. Now, when it does, what would I tell them? I said, we need to have a plan, right? And so either that is getting some kind of long-term care uh, in place for them, but for the most part, it is getting their legal work in place. So uh, funny, a lot of people don't even think about this or they have thought about it and they just don't do it. It's This is a big procrastination uh, for people not getting their legal work done. And so what that means is that they know about it, but they're not going to do anything. And then when mm-hmm. something happens, then they're just subject to all the laws in place. And if they don't prepare for that, they, you know, they could be costing themselves or their heirs a lot of money. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm always continually amazed by uh, people whose whose approach before they're asked about it, like somebody like us, is, well, doesn't Medicare kind of take care of that? You know, doesn't my supplemental insurance or doesn't something like that take care of it? You know, there a lot of people don't realize that that no is is a clear it's an easy answer it's an easy question to answer. Yeah, absolutely, and that's really scary, right? If people just have this perception that you know, oh, when I turn sixty five, I'm on Medicare and I'm good, mm-hmm. but that's not the case. Um, Medicare doesn't co- cover any long term expenses at all. So now that's all coming from your nest egg. And if you don't have a nest egg, now you're subject to, to what the state has to offer for you. Yeah. And that, that's a bad place. To, uh, I had a mentor who always would phrase it. 
uh, once you're out of money, you're out of options. And that's when you find yourself in, in the county home or the places that nobody would ever want a loved one to be is, is when they don't they get caught without a plan. And you talk about, you know, I talk about the money side of it. Shoot, where we are, you know, if you're in an assisted living, that's going to be at least probably $6,000 a month. If you need memory care, that's probably up to ten grand a month. You know, I don't care what kind of money you have that, you know, that's, that's going to burn through a lot of money very quickly. And by the way, if you're, if you're the healthy spouse, it's not like your property tax goes, bill goes away because your husband's in a long-term care facility. You know, you still have your daily things. It's not like your groceries and electric bill go in half because he's in a facility. It doesn't, you still have all those. So it's six, eight, ten thousand dollars $10,000 on top of what you're already doing. So it really, um, it's, you know, it's like a, a brush fire that just eats up at your money. Um, really, really quickly. Yeah, it does. And really, you can't avoid it either. Um, for somebody that needs care like that, um, most people aren't equipped to to do that for their their loved ones, and they do need help with that. So it's not something that that we really can't avoid. Right, right. And I, I, you bring up a, a good point there. You know, it's you know, I, I'm 37, have a one year old, and you know, so I'm trying to stay healthy and all that kind of stuff. But part of from what I do, I think, well there's something on the tracks coming my way and that, you know, I can't do pushups out of Alzheimer's, you know, you know, there's, I can't, I can't run a mile and then have lower my Parkinson's risk, you know, as far as I'm aware. Right. Um, so it's not yet, not yet. There's I'll wait for the research to come out on that thing. But, uh, but, but it's really, it is scary because there's, it's one of those areas in life and kind of what we're seeing now with, with COVID to an extent is there's no wealth amount there. You know, it's not dementia is not something that only affects people below a certain uh, income level, it gets to everybody. We saw it with Ronald Reagan, right? I mean, you, the President of the United States suffered uh, for dementia. Uh, we've seen, you know, the famous uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. You know, obviously Lou Gehrig, famous, world famous baseball player, had his career end and then his life end because of 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 a long term what we characterize today as a long term care illness. Uh, there's no exception. There's no opt out. It's not like a a draft deferment or in the old days where the knights could buy their way out of going to war by paying some poor dude to go for him. You can't do that with long-term care. And I think it's such an unpleasant topic that people just prefer to ignore it rather than truly confront it. And, you know, their money, it puts their money at risk. But when money's at risk, and I'm sure you've seen this, and maybe this could be a pivot point, when money's at risk, it puts pressure on all the relationships. That's when the, that's, that's when I see families starting to fall apart. Kids, even in loving relationships, build up resentment. Why didn't you plan for this? You know, uh, the spouse, you know, you think of a, a wife, you know, a little, you know, five, three hundred and twenty pound woman trying to daily get her six, three husband out of bed and, and over to the shower that builds up, you know, a sort of maybe resentment is not the right word, but it's a burden on a relationship that nobody would ever, you know, when you take your vows for sickness and in health, you think, okay, I can do that. When she gets the flu, I'll, I'll, I'll bring her chicken noodle soup. They don't think of six years of of getting them dressed and changing their diapers and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's tough. That's really tough. It is tough, and, and it does cause strains in relationships, which you know, really more important than money, right? And that's why uh, my job becomes really difficult when I have to have those conversations. If people want to bury their head in the sand and not really address it, um, so what I would say is, Brandon, what has been something for you? that is successful when I'm able to get somebody that that really hasn't thought about it but now understands the importance and they and they come talk to you, what do we do for them? Well, so there's there's various solutions to the long term care cost issue, right? 
the analogy I always kind of make is is kind of like buying home insurance. When you're when you build a new house, there's plenty of companies that are going to be out there willing to give you pretty cheap homeowners insurance. And the same is true when you're young, when you're healthy, you can get insurance, whether it's traditional long-term care insurance or life insurance with a long-term care rider. You can get those things pretty affordably and cheaply. But as you age, if all of a sudden now you're in a a colonial home uh, from the 1700s, there's going to be things in it that's going to be harder to insure. Or if you live in a hurricane zone or a flood zone, it's going to be more expensive. So as you get little nicks and knacks in your health, the insurance becomes more and more expensive and eventually you can't get it at all. So you're either self-insuring, like you mentioned, your pocketbook's on the line, or we're using some sort of trusts that protect your assets over time from being available for the state to basically force you to liquefy. Uh, what happens if you have no plan with long-term care is the state of Illinois kind of sits with their arms folded and waits for you to spend all your money before they throw you the life preserver. You know, in my mind, I, I picture a, a sinking boat and the state of Illinois is on a raft with a, with a life preserver and you're in the water and the state of Illinois is saying, well, I want you to make a good swim for that cupboard over there. And then if you don't make it, then we'll throw you the, the, the life raft. That's what's really happening. And, um, and unfortunately, uh, not everybody makes it right in that situation. So uh, we want to make sure that you position your assets so that the state of Illinois doesn't force you to sell your house or take the equity out of the house at the very least to pay for a husband's care or, a, or your own care. And now the kids, for a lot of people, you know, I think you see this too, apart from their IRA, their house is the biggest asset that they're leaving to the kids. You know, they've paid the mortgage off over 30 years and maybe a couple of refinances in there if they're the kind of couple that's stuck in their house. So to lose the equity or the, the availability of getting that to the next generation or even lose the ability to sell it and downsize to fund maybe if they've lived longer than they wanted to or the, uh, the market didn't do as good or their lifestyle, they wanted more vacations because they're uh, doing well. Sometimes they rely on that. If that's gone, now they're having those conversations at Thanksgiving time and saying, hey, um, which one of you wants me to move in with you? And, right. uh, and that's where the kids kind of look at each other and figure out. Pass the gravy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we both love you, but uh, let's draw straws. And, you know, uh, actually the biggest surprise that comes to people is that uh, they don't realize that um, the state will, will come back, you know, after a loved one has passed and take that house. Yeah. So the Medicaid liens are a big deal. I've had to, I've had my share of uh, battles with the state of Illinois on this issue, and it's it's so frustrating um, because basically what they do once you um, qualify without Medicaid is the program that the state of Illinois receives federal funding for to pay for your long term care if you're basically out of money, single person you're down to two thousand dollars. But what they do once you are on Medicare, they actually open an Excel spreadsheet and start tracking every cost that they've spent on you, and I mean every cost. It's itemized down to the down to the towel and the linen change. I mean, it is, it is there. Like it is mirac- For the state of Illinois, it is miraculously detailed. If they took as much detail as they do with these Medicaid ledgers in other areas of their own governance, we'd be in good shape. We'd right? be all right. I mean, I don't. <laughs> we'd have schools that were. You know, we'd have sixteen-year-olds. You know, putting rockets to Mars. It would be amazing. But, uh, but I've dealt with that, and and I've dealt with a child who's trying to sell their parents' house with these Medicaid liens on it. And what you need is you need a letter from the state saying, yes, we can, we agree to sell this if you send us X amount of dollars. And to get that dollar amount from them is um, shocking. Obviously, they're not going to round down just because 
they like the cut of your jib. They they they're gonna make you pay everything. And if you can't, the burden's on you to prove that it's not that way. You know, it's it's almost the opposite. They say, well, who's gonna know what I have and what I don't have? Who's gonna know what they spent? Well, the state of Illinois knows what they spent on you, and it's the burden's on you to prove to them because you're trying to get them to write you checks. State of Illinois has to write you a check, and they get to fold their arms until they're satisfied. They get to hold up your closing infinitely. I had a closing. Uh, for a, for a child whose mom had passed, but we we're dealing with a dispute on their Medicaid ledger. And, um, we had to close and basically all the equity was just held with the title because we didn't want to lose the buyer. So we held the, the, the title company did a, what's called a holdback. They held back 90% of the equity until we could resolve the dispute. And the state of Illinois is in no hurry. So right. it was actually a couple of years before the state of Illinois. I actually had to provide them itemized receipts because they did some remodeling for the the uh, bathroom, right? When a, somebody is dementia or they age or they have mobility issues, you'd remodel the bathroom so it's easier to get out of the shower, right? And they did themselves. So I had receipts from Home Depot and I put it on an Excel spreadsheet for the state of Illinois. And they said, well, we want to see the credit card you know, uh, transaction statement that matches those receipts with the times. And then, well, it turns out, of course, it was the son's credit card that was used. So we want to, okay, now we want to know that he actually used those, you know, the, the elbow tubes of plumbing that he was buying at Home Depot for mom's bathroom and not for his own bathroom. And it's, it's just like, <laughs> right. they, they, just, they just delay and delay and delay until you just, they hope you just give up and let them go with the money. Exactly. And so I, I really think, you know, those experiences are something that no one wants to go through. And I continuously harp on my clients that we need to get things in order before that situation occurs. And it's going to save a lot of time and money in the long run. Right. Right. And I, that, that, that's very good of you to do because there's an awful lot of people in all sorts of professions, whether it's insurance or financial advice or law, that's kind of assume things kind of work themselves out or they kind of react to it after it happens. And you've lost a lot of time in that. What I want, what I want to do um, as we kind of, you know, probably five minutes or so and we'll wrap up. I want to ask you a question and I didn't prep you for it. Well, this is the question. The question is, let's say you had a um, 24-year-old married couple. They're both 24. They both graduated from college, and they both had jobs where they were living frugally enough that they had money aside. You know, if you had like a magic wand and just could instantly guarantee that they're going to do like one thing, you know, what would that thing be? That's a good question, isn't it? That's a great question. Yeah. All right. So... For a young couple, 24 years old, the one thing that I think they should start doing is allocating some money to save for retirement. Okay. To me, you know, is that deferred stuff max out the IRA? Is that, what do you? Well, um, it, you know, it, it always depends, but a, a young couple like that probably don't have a lot of tax concerns. So the more money they can get into Roth IRAs okay. and get that tax-free growth over a very long period of time is is probably the the best option for them. Okay. What if they're like fifty years old and they just kind of they took their company match and never really have done anything of their own thought with finance? How does that change twenty five years down the road for them? So twenty five years down the road, we have uh, we have different issues to address, right? And so there's a there's actually a long list. So it's really going through that list with with that fifty year old person, and then we have to prioritize that list. And so it could mean investment strategy is number one priority, but we could also flip it down down the road uh, to something they're probably not even thinking about and making sure their legal work is in place. Because at this point in their lives, we're not guaranteed anything. 
and we want to make sure our family is protected for sure. Okay. So you're kind of, you know, at 50, there's a lot of things that, that could be important. You just sit down with them and figure out what's a, what are these many, many important things to the general people are specific to their situation and then uh, kind of triage and figure out, okay, here's things you need to do today because you want to retire in 15 years. So if here's your number you need. And if, if you need this per month for 30 years, right, you, exactly. you, you hustle a little bit or, or you're good or whatever this answer might be. And then there's also the phase two. Okay, well, how are your kids doing and what do you think you want to get them to do and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of the approach. Exactly, exactly. And really, it's an individual approach, right? So couples that are 50 might have kids they need to take care of and parents they need to take care of, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and maybe their needs become third, right? We don't, you know, we don't know, and it all depends on um, who they are individually. And the nuance of my job is figuring that out. All right. Well, I think that's you know we're sitting here past twenty minutes. Let's wrap it up there, and um, you know we're gonna try and do this every week. We just want to have a little conversation about what we think, what we're seeing out in the world to help you out, help you inform. Uh, if you have any questions, you can always contact contact me at deathandtaxespod at gmail.com. Otherwise, we'll see you on Tuesday with our regular episode. We'll just kind of keep this train rolling. So please, give us that review. Reach out to us if you have any questions, and um, we'll see you next week.